What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I'm Ron again, and joining me as always is my boy from Boston, Christian Nambu. Remember, you can now watch each episode in full on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the, the, the high prospects, some of the teams that did very well last year and will be expecting to do so again in the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers. I think we're going to start out in South Beach, the number one seed from last year. Are they going to be expecting to do that again, or will they just be happy to be in the playoffs if they don't make a move for for a big start uh, before the start of the season? That's a that's a quick question, right? Uh, I think two easy questions. Actually, one one easy, one a little harder. Should they trade if they could? Should they trade Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and picks essentially for Kevin Durant? Is that an easy yes? So that's that's uh that's their probably best offer. And that's a pretty solid offer if the Nets are running out of time here. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a that's a pretty pretty a pretty good offer. Uh just you you want to say that Bam could ultimately prove a, a, a valuable uh piece and could be leave a big hole in this team, but at the same time, you're adding Kevin Durant. You want to give Jamie Buckets a, a fair shot as a title, that's the kind yep. of move you have to make. Yeah, and that, that's I think that's where these two trade questions intersect, where, where we're at for the Heat. And the, the second part, and we'll jump into it, is would you trade Tyler Hero and picks for Donovan Mitchell? Slightly harder question, but is that easy in your mind? I think it is, because I think Donovan Mitchell is the kind of player that they're going to need, especially during the regular season. Obviously, he'll help take the scoring pressure off of Jimmy come playoff time, but during the regular season as well, you look around this Miami team and they rely heavily on the team aspect of basketball, which is great. It's one of the reasons people love this Miami team because there's no standout star really takes over, but their good players kind of have struggled to remain on the floor during the regular season. All of their top guys have, have had struggles with injuries throughout each of the last couple of seasons. They've still been, up there and competing, but I think this year is where they're going to need a, a, a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who at least you know can step up and score big, definitely in the regular season and likely in the playoffs too. Yeah, and, and this all hinges on those two guys, Bam and Hero. Number one, if they're keeping those guys, are they seeing market improvement into next year? And I think we should talk about where that goes because I think that'll answer our question as to where they feel they are right now. Um, and I think that, I think I, I want to start with, with hero in that regard, because I, I think it's a little harder for me to think about that trade question about Mitchell for hero. Um, I can start off being a little negative. We've been a little too positive these past couple times. I think hero had a great season and I don't fully buy into some of the takes that you get from Shaq, but actually I think he said it made a salient point last year when evaluating hero that. He was like, I need to see it against starting lineups when it comes to Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. As a as a sixth man, he was fantastic. Um, and as a starter, though, in the 10 games last season, he did have the same production, 20.5 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 4.4 assists. But his efficiency really just took a massive dip. 
So when you're comparing, do I want a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's going to be better and as a three-point shooter, improved massively as a pull-up shooter, shot creation, you name it. And I definitely believe that in the playoffs in that sort of scenario, I think he can be better defensively. And I think he would take a huge amount of pressure off of Jimmy Butler. Um, you look at Hero, his field goal percentage dropped by 10%, his three-point percentage dropped by 12% when he's inserted into that starting lineup. So when you think about this also, with the thought in mind that Kyle Lowry just came off his lowest scoring season since 2010, it's going to his age 36 season, and he's had his lowest amount of free throw attempts and getting to the rim is not as easy as it's ever been, especially with the spacing and the heat. They need a guy to get into that starting lineup to help create offense. But I'm not sure if Tyler Hero is there yet. That, that's a question mark. That's a question mark for me. And I know you're a Tyler Hero guy. So I'm curious where you're at in terms of thinking where his development's going to go. And as an asset, if he's more important as a guy that the Heat need to develop to get better, or if he's a guy that they need to trade while his value is still kind of high, maybe it's a little low because of his performance, but I think a lot of people can look at the playoffs. Now they're a few months removed from it and say, okay, he had a groin injury, clearly wasn't the same. That drop-off can't be that dramatic and you should continue to improve. Where do you go with an asset, a guy like that? I think it, the position Miami are in right now, as much as I am a believer in Tyler Hero, I think if that trade is on the table, I think they 100% need to make it. If they're looking to, obviously, they're, Pat Riley is a, a master of the of the trade, the master maneuver. He He wants to be able to not only build a team that can succeed now, but also can succeed 10 years down the line from now and he's always thinking about that Tyler Hero is the kind of guy that you hope when he's hitting his prime years three four years from now he'll be ready to to lead a team but at this moment they're trying to compete at the top if that trades on the table you got to take it because obviously that was this is Tyler Hero going into his fourth season he hasn't been able to put together back-to-back years yet I mean, obviously, he had a, a really positive rookie year. Then the second year, there were some struggles. Then he had the bounce-back year, six-man of the year last season. Can he show that he's able to do that again? Will he already be demanding more of his coach that he gets into the starting lineup? He's saying, oh, look what That's I did what last wants, year. I should, be, I should be the starter now. But is he, is he there yet? And... Is he the guy that's going to make the difference when push comes to shove, especially in playoff time? At this moment, you, you can't really say yes, absolutely. You can't go yes either way really with it. So I'm thinking with the if the trade is there, I think they need to make it because I don't think Tyler Hero is going to be that guy just yet. Yeah, he, um, I mean, he, he absolutely does want, want to be. I mean, this is in the same conversation where he feels like he – and as a young player, like you, you want to see guys have that confidence, but this is the same quote when he was talking about comparing himself to Luca and, and Trey and, and Ja. And I think he players like that. He does feel like he needs to be in the starting lineup and specifically saying in his fourth year, he's earned it. So I think when you, when you look now at what the heat have to do lineup wise to make this work, it's, it's a little bit tricky. It, it's a little bit tricky. So if we're, if we're assuming right now, and this is going to be all part of our answer to your ultimate question in the beginning. If we're assuming that we're going into the season and say we have 
Tyler Hero starting at the two. You have Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler. Uh, you don't have P.J. Tucker. So another question, I don't want to move on to Bam here. Um, does Bam maybe play a little bit more at the four? And I think that's that's important because you lose P.J. Tucker. You lose a guy who is very switchable like like Bam. So you lose that switchability, especially if you're playing Dwayne Dedman. He's a guy who's going to mostly play in the drop. Um, do we see Bam be a little bit more versatile offensively? And I want to open the floor to talk about his offensive growth or honestly, in my end, just to put it short, a little bit lack thereof, the scoring output increased, but in terms of how he's getting his buckets didn't seem to change a whole lot. I wonder if that, if that starting lineup there, when we talk about a drop-off, if we can see a little bit there, losing PJ Tucker and inserting Tyler Hero into the starting lineup, and then you have Bam at the four instead of the five. So you're taking him away from the point of attack. You're taking him away from pick and roll actions. I think that has a culminating effect to maybe make some serious problems here. If you need to appease Tyler Hero and put him into the starting lineup, I'm not sure that that there is going to come without any issues. Yeah, it, it just seemed like that last year was the was the perfect fit for with Hero coming in off the bench. Obviously, there there's a big gap being left with uh, with PJ Tucker leaving, and they haven't really been able to add an obvious replacement. Like we keep on saying, it's it's the Miami Heat. They're always going to get more out of guys that you don't even think twice about when you hear their names. And they're always going to be a competitor, but you 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 look at it now and you think, how exactly what what's their plan moving forward now? Is it to say right, Tyler Hero showed us last year, let's put the pressure on him as a starter and let's expect more of him, or do you look at Bam at a bio and you're thinking he's shown the flashes? We've gone to him in specific games. And he has just done everything on both ends of the court and being our lead guy. Do they look at him and say, you need to take more of the offensive load? Does he go to Eric Spolcher and say, I want more of the offensive load? Uh, I'm just, there's, there's got to be something. There's got to be some sort of switch there. I don't know who, which end it comes from. Is it from Bam or is it from, from the coach? Because we've seen his ability to score when the ball is played through him. We've seen his ability to play make when the ball is played through him. Mm-hmm. We all we obviously know what he's we're gonna get defensively from him. If he remains healthy, he's gotta take more of the offensive load. And at the same time, even while doing that, go out and win defensive player of the year. I mean, you keep hearing the only reason he's not winning it is because he can't be he's not on the floor enough. He's he's missing like 25 plus games a season. And that's why he's not winning it. Do what you can to make to do all you can to get your body in the best shape possible to not have yourself open to little niggly injuries like we've seen that he has had. Yeah. Um, yeah, the injuries are tough. I mean, in 2022, it was it was just in November, it was thumb injury. Got kind of tough to to prevent that. Um Obviously, he had a had knee injury for that too, just knee problems throughout 2021. So that I mean, that's something maybe lower body injuries you can account for, being a little bit more well prepared. And I mean, the Heat in particular, I mean, they're so strict on you know body fat percentages and training, are um, all part of that Heat culture. Um, and I think he should always be there. I think that that's an honor, and I, I love that these guys take pride in that and earning that honor as Defensive Player of the Year. Um, 
but for all intents and purposes, like he is there and he's always going to be there. Whether he wins it or not, I mean, I don't really care because as a guy who spent the most time per percentage defending every single position, he's the most versatile defender in the league. It's not Ben Simmons. It's Bam Adebayo. And for, for that, for that matter, um, I mean, I'm not really even evaluating Bam based on like offense. I think him scoring 19 points per game and not shooting any threes, that's, that's impressive. Um, but I do think, I do think when I'm evaluating the fit in terms of what they're going to do for lineups and we're thinking about having hero out there, you know, hero's going to be important for spacing, but PJ Tucker was huge for them, not just defensively, but you think about what they could do um, to maximize his effect. They throw him in the corner and he's just going to do that. He's going to be great at that. And they even gave him a chance to, to play make like Bam at the, at the elbow. So just an incredibly versatile player that you're right. They, they don't have a replacement for him. And I know it's, it's so, it's so little, like a guy like PJ Tucker, like he, I think a lot of people would think of him as you know, great, great impact defender, great, great hustle guy, great heart guy. But in terms of what he does to maximize lineups on the floor, it's just, it's massive. I mean, you can't put anyone out there who's going to guard one through five, like PJ Tucker can well, and a guy who is content and can just do one thing that's so important in today's league, which is just stand in the corner and shoot threes. And we're going to talk about him in Philly, which I think is going to be huge there. Um, I mean, I think about guys like Caleb Martin in terms of, you know, throwing out other wings out there that can be versatile. Um, I think Max Struess is, you know, he's fine defensively. He's not going to have that great impact but in terms of shooting. He's going to help, but um, bam, playing alongside, a big like Dwayne Dedman, um, if it's Omer Yurtsevin, if they're trying to play him at the four, um, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to work. And I think he'll, he'll continue to play at the five. And I think there's a lot of questions out there of, of what they do at that lineup. And just to answer that, I think that the best case scenario for what they do, I think they'll continue to play him at the five. And I think they'll continue to have more of an impact as a playmaker. Look at Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry's numbers are honestly going to continue to decline. I think they need to find a perfect medium for him where you're not having Kyle Lowry play 33 minutes per game at the age of 36. Like I, they just cannot do that. If you can have more playmaking duties in the hands of Bam and his assist totals get back up, you only had three, I think it was 3.4 assists per game this season. And that's just out of him not having the ball in his hands as much. So as a scorer, I don't, I don't see how he gets better as a scorer right now. But as a facilitator, I, I certainly think that they can do a lot more, especially with all um, if Gabe Vincent's still shooting like he is, if if Duncan Robinson can find his his shot again, if Victor Oladipo is healthy and play, I, there's a lot of things that they can do with Bam at the elbows. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I think the playmaking is the big thing with Bam. I think the mark that he's at now in terms of points per game is perfect. It's just the question. The only, the only way it's going to get more is just like giving him the opportunity to shoot more. But I think the playmaking on the offensive end is the big thing. And playing the offense through him, that'll that'll give opportunities for guys, like you said. And D- like Duncan Robinson is a big, like he's a big what if, like can he bounce back this year? Like you're looking at Duncan Robinson, the the Heat were expecting him to be kind of like their, their Joe Harris, that like a, yeah. elite, that elite like catch and shoot three guy that everyone fears because you know if the ball's in his hands and he's any way open, he's gonna he's gonna hit the shot. 
he had some flashes last year and he's like he's after getting that big contract but on the whole he was pretty pretty disappointing if he can have a bounce back year that's that's really that, that could be really really important for this Miami team yeah they they, they need that and I think you know this is kind of a redu- reductive answer but I mean the reason I feel like the heat will continue to be in this is just I mean the, the obvious stuff like Jimmy Butler is just at the peak of his power um, I don't see that going away next season immediately. I feel like he's a top 10 player right now. Um, Spolsch is a genius. And when we talk about these other guys, they just always find a way to extract that out of players, whether it's Duncan Robinson, whether it's Caleb Martin getting a, getting a contract with them after not having any at the beginning of the season. And I mean, they, they pulled so much out of guys like Gabe Vincent being a huge addition as a backup point guard. And who knows? Who knows who it's going to be? I mean, you, you look you look at Omer Yurtsevin. He's a guy who was just a rebounding machine when they inserted him in. They needed him when Bam was out. And he produced. They they threw in Max Struess, and all of a sudden he's an elite three-point shooter. He's fine defensively. I, I think they'll find the guys. They, they will find the guys. Um, ultimately, though, like when we were talking about the Bucks, when we talk about the Heat, I think they're also in this category of team that – when we're thinking long-term, when we're thinking at the end of the season, what did this offseason mean for them? And if they don't end up making any of these trades, and I, I think reasonably, I'm not assuming that Tyler Hero is going to be tremendously different. I, I think he should have a better playoff performance. I don't see that Bam is all of a sudden going to start shooting more mid-rangers and, and all of a sudden shooting some threes. I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to be more healthy enough to be significant. I can't see... Jimmy Butler being any better. I, I think that they are going to have a tough time advancing to where they want to be, which is in the finals. I mean, that they have Jimmy Butler and they should be in the finals, but to, to look at a team like the Celtics, to look at a team like the Bucks and the 76ers, I think they're kind of firmly in that one B kind of tier. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I really agree on Larry. I think he's he had a declining year. He actually surprisingly played sixty three games last year. I thought it was a, a lot fewer. It seemed like he was he was always out whenever whenever I was watching him. So I assume that was a that was a decent bit higher. So I can see him dropping off more this year. One big thing could be Victor Oladipo, especially yep. if Tarta Hero is in the starting lineup. Uh, Victor Oladipo could come in and fill the whole that that uh, hero's gonna leave uh, in terms of scoring off the bench. That's that where that's where the, it could be a genius move when they signed uh, Victor Oladipo to that one year deal. I mean, there was flashes towards the end of last year and in the playoffs where you're kind of like, oh damn, can Victor Oladipo actually get back to the sort of all star level that he was before all these injuries? Now this year, it's it's just all gonna be about he's had a healthy off season. Hopefully he can get himself in even better shape. Now you're going to be thinking, were those flashes just real? Or is he going to remain as a guy who can just produce in small flashes? And that could be a difference maker for this Miami team. I think the the beautiful thing about that, the way that Oladipo plays and what the Heat want is that he's that exact kind of player. He's that exact kind of player that they that they want. And his talent level, I think, exceeds what people are expecting. People are easily going to forget that in 2018, he dragged the Pacers to seven games against LeBron James' Cavs. 
Like that, that was no small feat. And you look at what he did last year and, and those flashes come in two ways. I think a lot of people are going to look at the scoring and be like, Oh, that dropped off because he was the most improved player because in 2018, because he was just, he was, he was shooting like crazy. And then he was, he was shooting uh, amazing from three, he was shooting amazing from mid range. He was just creating everything in the way that people always thought he might. And the injuries, I think there are too many cases where a lot of people look at players who get injured and like, Oh, if, if they're, if they're healthy, if they're healthy, if they're healthy. And that's a big if. And I still think that is a big if for Oladipo. Um, but I think that the upside is there because of what we saw in the playoffs last year, um, just a few months ago. In game one against the, the Hawks in a route, I mean, they deployed him out there. He, he did get some shots up, but he was just a menace defensively. Absolute menace. I mean, he, he, look, he looked like he still had the foot speed. He still had the, the ability to keep up not just keep up and be, be an elite defender. And that, that's something that's gone away. He was a plus 28, and I think he only he scored under 10 points in that game, plus 27, plus 28. The next game, in the same amount of minutes, scores over 20 points. And that's just something that he can do. And he's, he's a guy that's going to be okay with that, I feel like. He is going to be okay with if Spoke is out there. He's like, hey, I need you 100% locked in defensively, and we're, we're going to do something else with you offensively this game. Because that's – that's an easy thing for a lot of stars to deal with. But I think this beautiful matchup is that Oladipo is going to be okay with being just a dog out there defensively. And when you talk about losing PJ Tucker, it's not just what he does on the court, but intensity wise, having that intensity on both ends of the floor, like you're going to get that from Oladipo. And I love that he's, uh, I think it's sometimes a little corny when, when people have like, you know, some of these titled off seasons, but I, I do I do love this revenge tour that he's he's titled for himself for the offseason because I I do believe that if if this guy is healthy, that is a reason why they can take another step into the next year. If 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 they can channel Victor Oladipo from 2018, if he is really healthy, if it just took him a couple of years, because that's a serious injury. I mean, to have to have the quad repair and then a tear again. Apparently it was a botched surgery, um, according to him. But if that is something that he's rehabbed from and he does truly feel healthy, that's a guy that you add into this heat system that they're just going to tire out any team they face in seven games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to agree. Is that uh, on the whole though? I I still think we're going to have to see a drop off from Miami, whether that's just in the regular season and then they're ready to go come playoff time it could be that sort of element of it but if they are a top three seed in the east next season then one of boston milwaukee or philadelphia have absolutely blown it and they've had they've had bad regular seasons because that's that's just the way the talent level is on those teams if they're at their best and they're healthy they should be ahead of miami some of the kind of teams on the outskirts have also improved and we still don't know about Brooklyn as we mentioned on on every podcast so I think they're going to be a team that'll probably still be top six but you look at even the series with the 76ers last year a lot of people will talk about how they took Boston to seven games they could have won it if they were healthy but they were playing that that 76ers team and the first two games were without Embiid and they lost them both and then when Embiid comes back, let's let's be honest, that was a Joel Embiid that was at, I think, less than 50% when he came back into that 
into yeah. that uh, series. Yeah. They they did go on and win it 4-2, but it it wasn't as dominant. You think if, if we saw a healthy Joel Embiid, they were really going to struggle, similar to what we say about how the Bucks would have won with, with Middleton. If, if the 76ers had had a Joel Embiid at 100%, who knows what might have happened. So I think the decline is going to come. They'll still be a playoff team, but if they're in the top three next year, I, I will be shocked. Yeah, and and let, let's let's move on to the 76ers. I think it's a good way to segue there. Um with a major point about who's just switched sides. And I think it's amazing. PJ Tucker goes from the Bucks then to the Heat, then to the 76ers. Just an amazing tour of going from contender to contender. And if you looked at that series, PJ Tucker is primarily the primary defender on Joel Embiid. Um and I thought that was just, just fast and just speaks to just how versatile PJ Tucker is. He's a guy who can go from guarding Harden to guarding Embiid on the same exact possession and do well on both. Um, I think what bothered and what often is going to bother Joel Embiid, all you can do to him is you have a lot of guys on the perimeter who can dig, who can get in and, and double quickly and then rotate back. And that's something that the 76ers struggled with, especially when Harden would go quiet at times. And Let's talk about what the 76ers did here in terms of adding some guys like PJ Tucker. They add Daniel House and they add DeAnthony Melton. Um, not just great defenders, but great three-point shooters. Um, guys who are going to space the floor and are going to make this in and out game a lot easier. Do you think that those three guys are going to make a difference in the postseason? Yeah, 100%. They add defense and they add a very, very good three-point shooting. Floor spacing is something that they had to add after they had to give up. They gave up uh, Seth Curry and the, uh, yeah. in that in that trade to get, get Harden in. They had to add some more shooting. And House Tucker and Melton, all three of them last season shot above 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. Yep. They provide the defense which you know you're probably not going to get from the likes of Maxi and Harden too much. So that's another big addition that they're going to have. And it, it def they've 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 made the improvements. They they spotted the holes in the team and they did what they could to try and mend them without making any any massive moves. Yeah. And in uh to, to speak on percentages here, like uh Melton, you know what he shot from the corner last year? 50 percent 50 from the corner so you got those three guys out there fantastic 3d players um in melton flashing as a as a movement shooter as well um which you know he's not going to replace what seth curry did as a movement shooter but i think he's getting there i mean there, there are times with the grizzlies last year where you know this is not something he's done in seasons prior so when you see a guy do something for the first time you're like whoa so i wonder if he can continue that i, I think that's that's could be something he can improve on and defensively all these guys are very positive defensive box plus minus guys and i i, I don't know I, I i just can't imagine how different this series would have been like you said with, with mb being healthy but then you you face these two teams against each other again if you were to put the heat against 76ers in this just adding those three guys it feels like a tremendous advantage and what the 76ers are going to be able to do to space the floor um and another guy Tyrese Maxey. I think going over Tyrese Maxey's season last year, they got it felt like 
it didn't go as heralded as it should have. Like he had an unbelievable season. He went from averaging eight points per game to being a 17 point per game scorer, had several explosive nights all season long. But his efficiency mm-hmm. blew my mind. I did not re- I didn't realize how efficient of a season he had. And I'm sure you had that up there. So I'll, I'll let you start off with Tyrese. Yeah, I mean the guy, the guy balled out. I mean, just just recently, Doc Rivers called him the most impressive young player that he's ever coached, and we all know Doc Rivers has had a pretty long coaching career. And you look at what he did last year; it was such a big jump. I mean, I remember seeing him one or two games in his rookie year, and you just kind of looked at him and thought, if he can become an efficient player, he could really, he could really start pushing the boundaries of stardom in this league. And then he went, he just went and took that huge leap in year two. I mean, 48.5% from the field, 43% from three. And then he was obviously he's, he's good at the line too. And then even in the playoffs, he, he bumped that up to 21 points a game. And he was shooting 55% on twos and then 38% from three, which is still very good. And on catch and shoot threes, he was shooting 45.1%. And that has him, I think, he's in the top 10 anyway of, of, yeah. of players that, yeah. that took over 100 last year, which yeah. is just crazy for a guy in, in his second year. And as a starter in a team looking to compete, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think that a couple of things on that, I mean, expanding on the the formula that Daryl Morey has with Harden, and we'll talk about Harden in a little bit, um, you need to just play inside out with Embiid. You need guys who can do that. And I think it's ironic that Tyrese Maxey probably ends up being the version of a point guard that they needed from Markel Fultz Mm -hmm. as a downhill. I mean, I I saw Tyrese Maxey as more of like a a speed demon downhill attack, open lanes. We'll get shots every now and then, but his footwork to get to his shots is actually great. His mechanics on his catch and shoot obviously shown through in his percentages not just all that, but just again, talking about the corner three, which is so important when you're trying to run a spread offense with Harden, he shot 60% from the corners. That's, that's just for, for, for a sophomore for a second year player. That, that's, that's unbelievable. 40% of the wings too. I mean, on, on high volume. Um, I, I think that'll even get better. I, I, his efficiency probably won't stay the same. So they'll probably ask him to take more shots without Seth Curry there. Um, and also, I mean, he can improve on his finishing. I mean, he's, he's a little below average. Um, at the rim, but he went from one attempt a game at the at the line in his rookie season to four attempts a game. And those attempts actually went up with Harden, and his attempts at the rim went up with Harden. And if you watch the tape, Harden allows him to have more open lanes to attack. And here's another fun fact. He was only in the 18th percentile as a cutter, a guy who's as quick as he is, a guy who's going to be um, on the wings a lot. A lot of ball watch. When you watch Harden on the floor, so are the are, are the health defenders. You need health defenders out there ball watching. And I think Tyrese Maxey is going to have, if they can leverage him and his quickness as an off-ball cutter too, off-ball shooter, he he's could be in for a massive, massive season next year. I, I really I really believe in that. You're, I don't know if you're going to sit here and try and convince me about Harden having a bounce-back season. I still haven't bought that yet, but I believe that Harden's impact is undeniable. It's undeniable on a guy like Maxey and how good he can be. I mean, his, his uh, points per game went up with Harden. His field goal percentage went up. Talked about him getting to the rim. And I think you have a full offseason. You have a full um, few months to prepare and get that all in order and do that more efficiently and do it more often. This guy 
I think you're right. I mean, I think we're watching a guy turn into a star. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And in terms of it, with Harden, I think it's he's going to provide what Maxi needs to to develop, which is obviously a huge plus. And I I'm not, I'm not saying James Harden is going to go back to being Houston Rockets James Harden. I'm just I'm just expecting him to be capable and a bit more efficient and and capable on a night where maybe it's not Joel's night, maybe it's not Tyrese's night. He can still get the ball in his hands, and you know he can definitely still make something happen for this team. That That's not something that they had when he came in last year. It was still, the, the playmaking side of it was great, but in terms of the step backs and the shooting and the scoring on, on himself, you just don't think that that's the, that's the player that, that uh, Philly really believed that they were getting. And they'll be hoping for a, a step on uh, in, in, a, in the first full season. Yeah. You know, and I think, the best case scenario that that Houston form, I, I I was actually shocked to see Bobby Mark say that he thinks that he'll be top three MVP voting. That, that just I don't know what kind of favor he's trying to get as a as a media guy. Maybe, he's, <laughs> but but I, I don't think he'll be anywhere there. Um, I still think he's an All Star level player. I still think he'll be a floor general. He'll be still a ten assists per game kind of guy. He'll always be that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just comes down to that part. It comes down to orchestrating. It comes down to the kind of offense you can run with him. You can continuously rely on him to have the ball in his hands and take that pressure off of Embiid. You can run a different style of offense besides just in and out, inside out with Embiid and just hoping Embiid can continue to be good as a playmaker. And honestly, like that, that gives, I think, a little bit less pressure on Embiid in a good way to help him develop that because he's gotten, he's made small strides towards being a better playmaker, making quicker decisions, quicker reads. I think with a little bit of pressure off and having an alternative that that helps a lot, which is that this number kind of, kind of really jumps out at me. Um, 76ers offensive rating jumped up to 120.6 with Harden, which would have made them league's number one offense. And that's with Harden on like with, we could go on quite a while with how inefficient he's played and how he's been a little too docile in the fourth and not really taking reins as a guy that, and maybe we don't want him to do that. Maybe this is the best, the best of both worlds. I mean, Harden probably is playing for a contract here. They're under investigation for, uh, it's not tampering, but circumventing uh, CBA, but by basically you're going to pay him later on, just take a cut now so we can sign some guys. But uh, if Maxi is going to take another leap and you still have the version of Harden that is a elite play, playmaker for others, that's a recipe for success there. I don't need Harden to be that. I think there isn't the best case scenario. Isn't Harden all of a sudden, like going back to Houston Harden, it's Harden being who he is now taking probably fewer shots and focusing on being a little more efficient mm-hmm. and Maxi taking a bigger step into that role. And you got, you got guys like house, you got guys like Melton, you got guys like Nyank, guys who are going to, to fill in on the, on the edges, on the perimeter. And I think that leads them to potentially be, in my mind, a very safe bet for top two. I think they'll be better than the Bucs in the regular season next year. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree. I think obviously last year they ultimately finished with the 12th best offensive rating and the 12th best defensive rating. I think full season with the addition of Harden, I'm expecting them to be a top five offense next season. And if they can stay around that sort of mark in terms of defensive rating, I think that's great for them. 
because we know Doc Rivers is, is more of a defensive-minded coach than anything, and he can get the best out of this team. But the pressure is on this Philadelphia team. It's on Doc Rivers, a lot of pressure on him this year. Obviously, you got to respect his career. He's, he's won title. He's won coach of the year. He has the ninth most wins in history. But he has not taken a team past the second round of the playoffs since 2012 with Boston. <laughs> he appears to have been getting outcoached and shown maybe an, an inability to adapt in certain situations that it's been quite noticeable. And this could be his last chance at, at a top job in, in this league. If he can't bring success with the, the the roster that they have now, people are going to start raising questions about him. Is he still an elite-level coach? And maybe the answer is no if he can't do it with this Philadelphia team. And then, obviously, you look at Harden. Obviously, people are looking at him the last few years. Out of shape. He's past his best. He's always been the guy who wants to have his cake and, and eat it too. And now maybe it's finally the catching fat joke. <laughs> We're doing yeah, fat jokes on coast to coast. That's not that. that. That's just a general saying there now. But uh, maybe it's finally starting to catch up. And, and I'm I'm looking at him and I'm just expecting the competitor in James Harden to come out next year. I'm not saying he has to be Houston Rockets' James Harden. I want him to be the, the 20 and 10 sort of guy, but more efficient than he than he has been over the last while. And then, of course, you get to Embiid. I mean, he's a guy who believes he's the best player in the league. He believes he should have won the last two MVPs. In my head, I genuinely think if he has anything close to the season that he had last year or the year before, he's going to win MVP next year. But I want him to go out and win it. I don't want it just to be the sake of, oh, we probably should have, you probably should have won it the last year. So we'll just give you this one. Go out and win the MVP award. Leave it, no questions. Be the most dominant player in the league. He has been one of them over the last couple of years. Go and do it again. And then you got to step up in the postseason, Joel. There is no moment in the postseason where you can look back and think, do you remember that from Joel Abid? That, that game six where he just went off. He has not created that moment in the playoff. He has not taken the reins like the superstars and the best players in the league usually do. And I'm expecting more of him when we get to the postseason. And I'm expecting a lot of this Philadelphia team this year. I I think I don't want to disagree with you. I'm like I'm I'm super I'm super excited to to see him take another step next year. And I think he he still has more room to to grow, especially as a playmaker. I just I worry, I worry about you know an MVP push and how that would correlate to chances of him getting hurt. I'd I'd be happy to see him be a little reserved next year and, and save it for the the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. Kind kind, kind of the way that you know, um, I'd I'd expect kind of like Kawhi to kind of save it for the playoffs. Way the LeBron eventually had to to save it for the playoffs. Um, I think he'll be a candidate for sure, but. I hope we'll have to do less. That's the whole point. I think the whole point is that this whole, this whole rebuild retool of this team is built around um, him having to do less, simplify his, his role in a bit, not force everything through him because it was just, it was just insane. And it it just, it just felt completely unsustainable last year. Like the amount of pressure that had to be on and be to do everything every single night. Um, 
and especially how he has to do it physically. I mean, you, you do it through Jokic and Jokic has, does it through a lot of finesse, but for Embiid to just overpower people all season long, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to do that without your, your body breaking down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's definitely definitely a fair point, and I, I hope my hope is not that he wins MVP. I love I love him to do both, but my my, my biggest hope is that he is fresh and at one hundred percent come uh, come playoff time. Obviously, we know the ambitions with this Philadelphia team. They want to they want to win a title. They want the the process to come full circle and and win it all. But what do you what do you think is the is the top five the the starting five for this team what do you what, what do you think their play will be this year is it going to be Harden Maxi Harris Tucker and B do you think that that'll be the the consistent starting five I want to I, I kind of want to see Tucker coming off the bench um and the reason is like I, I think that gives them number one that, that is one hole that they have in their roster right now is outside of Joel and B they don't really have a true five mm-hmm. they don't have that size so if um, I mean, if Joel Embiid goes down, I mean, that's obviously an issue for the entire team structure as a whole. But in terms of filling in that backup five, uh, where do you go with that? Paul Reed? It's kind of questionable. I think P.J. Tucker is a little bit more reliable. Um, I think Maxi, Harden, Daniel House, Harris, Embiid. That's my starting five. And you can you can really do a lot defensively with the with the second unit. Especially when you, you have Melton out there, Tybal, PJ Tucker, you keep Tyrese Maxey or Harden out there. They're, they're going to be able to do a lot and wreak havoc as a second unit defensively. And they were only, I think they're 22nd in fast break points. I expect that to be a lot higher next year with the second unit that has a lot more uh, ability to turn the ball over. So I, I think you, you have the rotation pieces to, to fill it out, but I, I hope PJ Tucker is still capable i mean he's getting how he's gonna be what 39 40 by the end of this contract yeah he's 36 37 right now yeah and man it's he's, he's such a juggernaut i don't i don't understand he, he the way he plays too yeah. um but reduce his role a bit to try and try to keep him for the playoffs because he's going to be huge he's he's going to be a major game changer i think in a playoff series against both of the all the competitor competitors you see how effective he is on Tatum, how effective he is on Giannis. The way he played in beat, I think that's going to be a huge boon for them in the playoffs. Uh, one thing that would just be totally typical would be if he finally started to break down once he joined Philadelphia. That would just uh, that would just be so standard. I think an important part of the puzzle here for Philly is going to be Tobias Harris. Maddie, yeah, we haven't even talked about him. <laughs> yeah, like Maddie, he's going to be the highest paid player on the team this yeah. year. And we're gonna be talking about Embiid? yeah, he's at thirty really? he's at thirty-seven wow. this year and, and B's at thirty-three. Wow. And uh we're the most likely thing we're talking about here is him reducing his role and trying to become much more of a, a three and D sort of player. Yeah. How does he fit with Harden? That that's an interesting question. How how is he gonna fit alongside Harden? Um because he's a fine catch and shoot guy. And I, I don't think he's best suited just like hanging out on the wings. He's not, he's not as good of a catch and shoot player as the, uh, the three additions that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's, he, he's eating more on, on the second units. He's a guy you play alongside Maxi. He's gets his offense there, but I think alongside Harden, I, I have to look at the numbers there, but it didn't feel like a seamless fit. He just felt like he kind of wandered around at times. 
as an off-ball player, and he's not good enough as a, of a shooter to demand that much spacing. Yeah, yeah, that's true, because I think he was only around about 35% last year in terms of uh, catch and shoot, and then it did feel, there was there was times, especially when Embiid was out, where it just felt a bit forced, and they, they did, it didn't really feel connected. And yeah, I think I think you're right on that one. I think uh, getting him more offense as part of the second unit, I think that could definitely be be the answer. And then when he, when he is starting, just do what he can. Obviously, he's going to be he's a very solid defender, and he can start maybe if he can he can get better as a cutter. That could that could be something that he could add as as part of the starting unit. Yeah, uh, crazy thought. Didn't uh, didn't. Durant just mentioned 76ers as one of his uh one of his preferred destinations. Maybe uh, uh there's a oh, Tobias Harris. the list now, is he? <laughs> Tobias Harris and uh Tyrese Maxey and stuff for uh Durant. Yeah, I saw that there reunion, reunion 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it always works out when you have uh KD and Harden on the same team, right? Yeah, yeah, we've seen, we see, we've seen where that where that leads you now. I don't, oh, but yeah, that that would just be typical as well. Billy, go go do that, and it's a, the same fucking disaster as it was. Be <laughs> <laughs> Maxi Harris, Tybal, uh, someone else. You then you lift some pick protections. 2029 first round pick. There you go. There, there's your trade, and it's Daryl Morey. Oh my God, it's Daryl Morey. So honestly, now now that I actually say it out loud and say it next to his name, like it's not. It's not impossible. And when I saw that uh, last night, I was like, okay. But Sarah Mori didn't think he'd get uh, the Harden trade done, but he did. Uh, well, you were kind of one of the only ones that didn't believe that. I told you that was going to happen. It was. It was. Uh, that was always going to happen. They wanted him out. <laughs> they got. They got a. They got a Ben Simmons. They got a. They got a potential. Uh, a potential star there with they with with the within the right situation, but. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Philadelphia 76ers, I want to see you at the very minimum in the Eastern Conference Finals next year. No no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. Well, I think that about does it for 76ers and for the Heat. Um, we're still avoiding the Nets. Still no news. Um, I, I think we, we got to round it out. We'll eat our vegetables last and talk about, well, maybe not vegetables. We can talk about some fun summer league stuff. We can get away from the pressures of the playoffs and Eastern conference. We can talk about maybe someone like the, the Pacers, the wizards, see what they're doing there. See how the bottom of the East, we just went from top. We'll go back to the bottom. Maybe by then we'll have a, a KD trade who, who the hell knows at this point, but it feels like we're approaching another Ben Simmons esque situation there. So we might have to skip over that and get over to the West, but guys, thanks for joining us again. As we finish out the East coast, um, I think that I'll about do it for this episode. And we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.